In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. This is the Daily Memphian Politics Podcast. I'm Bill Drees. Our main event is Shelby County Election Commissioner Benny Smith on Strickland's big win and paper ballots. Top of the podcast, a review of the Memphis election results and a few next steps. Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland's overwhelming re-election win, the big story of a city election with a 26.5% voter turnout. Former Mayor Willie Harrington second and Shelby County Commissioner Tammy Sawyer a distant third in the 11-candidate field. More in our main event on what voters might have been saying with these results. Seven of the 10 Memphis City Council incumbents seeking new terms on the 13-member body got them. Among those seven, Cheyenne Johnson, one of the three council members serving interim appointments on the body since this past January. Jerry Curry, one of the other two appointees, losing her bid for a full four-year term in Super District 8, Position 1. Sherman Greer, the third appointee, is in a November runoff with Rhonda Logan for the District 1 seat. Logan was among those vying for the appointment earlier this year. Incumbent Berlin Boyd, part of the largest council race on the ballot at nine contenders, goes to a November runoff with challenger Michael in Easter Thomas. Closest race of the election night, some thought it would be the Super District 9 matchup between Dr. Jeff Warren and Cody Fletcher. Not. Warren winning handily. The real contest was also in Super District 9, but it was the contest for the open seat between Chase Carlisle and Erica Sugarman. Carlisle pulled it out after several lead changes. The margin... 531 votes. Voters approved a half-cent sales tax hike to restore health and pension benefits to firefighters and police that were cut for all city employees five years ago. Still a few hurdles on this one. The county commission could decide to take half of it. If it does, that too goes to voters for a referendum, this time a countywide one. The city council that takes office in January sets the city budget that makes funding the restoration of benefits possible, and it could opt not to do it or do it any number of different ways. In the last decade, local voters have decided 56 ballot questions, including this one. They have now approved 46 and rejected 10. The council title proving to be the difference in the crowded race for city court clerk, where it was former council member Myron Lowry on top with outgoing council member Joe Brown in second. All three incumbent city court judges reelected, Teresa Jones and Jane Chandler beating challengers, Tarek Sugarman the only unopposed incumbent on the entire October ballot. So the Election Commission meets October 21st after the audit of the results to certify them. The winners take office January 1st for terms of four years. The exception to that is the city court judges who are elected to terms of eight years each. Between the certification and the oath are the two council runoff elections, November 14th. No dates yet on early voting, but those will probably be around mid-October to the end of October. Strickland probably already preparing for a second term even before election night. That will probably mean some reappointments of division directors, some new faces, and some changing job descriptions, all three usually part of the mix in a second term on the seventh floor of City Hall. The next election 
There's always a next election. It's March 3rd, the Tennessee presidential preference primary and county primary. The primary is for one office, General Sessions Court Clerk. The presidential campaign's already exploring the area. HUD Secretary Ben Carson in the city the day after the city elections to look around the Union Row project site and plug HUD opportunity zones, as well as fly the Trump banner. Carson has campaigned here before as a presidential contender. On other 2020 election fronts, Corey Strong, already a declared challenger of Democratic Congressman Steve Cohen in the August primaries. We have a Republican primary contest also next August for State House District 99 between incumbent Tom Leatherwood and former Shelby County Republican Party Chairman Lee Mills. Democrats expected to come after Democratic State Representative John DeBerry in their August primaries as well. We're joined now by Shelby County Election Commissioner Benny Smith, and we will talk about some observations on the city elections. But before we go there, you came to the Election Commission. You, you've been on since when? April. Okay. You you have come to this position from being, at times, an outspoken critic of the current election system and as someone who has worked with data and, and software systems. Right. So uh, let, let, let's talk about the future. We know at some point we're going to be getting a new voting system and the touchscreen machines are, are going to go. Linda Phillips, the Shelby County Elections Administrator, has said, you know, it'd be a pretty tall order for this to happen by the March presidential preference primaries, a general goal is is next year sometime Um, you're a big advocate of of paper ballots yes i am very much uh, committed to tell me what you mean by 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 paper because because to some folks i think it it can be confusing because there are paper ballots there are paper audit trails What's the paper ballot yeah. you want to see? Yeah, so that, there is a there is a confusion with handmarked paper ballot ballots. A handmarked paper ballot is a physical ballot that a voter receives, where they fill in the bubble like a standardized test, and everything about the election is printed. The other types of ballots are almost a summary or a receipt, which is the equivalent to a cast vote record where let's say that there's an election and there are six people that you can choose from, you mark that on a machine and then it prints out that one machine, that one total that you had in a paper copy form of a receipt along with a barcode or some other details about it. So Mm -hmm. that is more of of the voter verified paper trail, but not the tried and true hand marked, you know, paper ballot. Right. And you're talking about the hand marked yeah, paper old ballot. Do you think you think that's the bedrock of a good voting system? Absolutely. That's the most secure form of, of voting technology today. Okay. Uh, all of the systems that the election commission held in, in essence a fair for, I think it was maybe a year or or two mm-hmm. ago. That's the first time I met you. We we saw each other yeah. at that. Uh, every one of those four systems involved the, the audit trail where you get a printout of what you did on the machine and then you put it in a box and it serves as another as another uh, way of verifying what, what what the vote was. But you see some real problems in that. Yeah, there, there are considerable problems with it. So um, in summary, um, when you have a computer that can create a first generation copy, of what you see and then you put it into another scanner who is programmed from the same function there's no redundancy there there's no complexity there 
it's something that because I write computer programs, it's automatable. So if you hear all this talk before 2016, it was, you know, elections are secure. There's no problem. Don't worry about it. It's 6,000 jurisdictions. After 2016, it's wait a minute. We need a Mueller report. And, and you know, elections can be hacked. And wait a minute. You know, all these, mm-hmm. these, uh, these other interpretations of it. So having a hand-marked paper ballot is still going to be scanned. However, I'm not going to fill in my ballot the same way you fill in yours. There's going to be ink density. There's going to be so many other complexities that if a machine prints it, it's going to fill in the circle exactly the same way. So you can just reprint the election if you were a bad actor. You can just reprint it, and everyone is originating from the machine. So it's a, it's a, and then some of these machines, um, as Dominion Ice is is the one that that does it. There's a study. Uh, I work with a group, uh, SmartElections.us, and they have you know professors who are looking at this 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 information. And Dominion has one that's a printer and a scanner, so it's a dual device. So just consider if you. You know, you mark uh, that you want to vote for one race and you skip the other one. Well, if it's a scanner and a printer, then there's nothing to stop that printer to filling in that choice for you. And because it's going to fill that choice in exactly the same, you will have no idea that it happened or didn't happen. But with a circle, nobody's going to fill it in. It's, it serves as, a, as like a thumbprint, right? Mm-hmm. You, everybody's going to fill it in and, and it's going to go through a scanner. And that scanner is a digital scanner. And what makes the handmark paper ballot so special is because they created a marriage. The ballot took a selfie when it went through the scanner. And contrary to what people believe, the uh, tabulator doesn't count the paper. It counts the image. So that makes the image a part of the chain of custody. And when that gets counted, you can release those online. Time is the albatross of anything nefarious. So if you wanted to, to enshrine the record, Post those images online. You can put them on a thumb drive. Post those images online. If people wanted to recount the election themselves, they could. They could mm-hmm. just take those ba- ballots and look at everything. There's nothing that ties it uh, to the voter. So the sacred, uh, the sanctity of the ballot is preserved. And now you can call up those images and compare them to the originals. And then you create that redundancy that makes it really hard for, for some foreign adversary or some bad actor to do anything. And that's why it's the most redundant uh, process that you can have. The, the, the other side of this, and, and, and I'm sure you've, you've heard this argument too, and, and it's one that, that Linda Phillips has made when asked about paper ballots, is that uh, prior to taking that, that selfie, as you put it, that there are all kinds of ways to manipulate that hand-marked ballot. In, in essence, she, she says that, that it opens the door to much, many more instances of fraud because of the, the I guess you would call it the personal nature of, of the hand-marked ballot. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm unaware of it. I get a lot of uh, ones, that, and it's usually about the, the, the type of pin strokes. So I'm, this is a new one for me. It, just try to walk yourself, walk me like a three-year-old. I get this, this, this paper ballot. I go to my booth. I fill it up. I fill it in, and I walk to the scanner. I put it in the scanner. I don't. I don't know. I don't know of any form of manipulation that can happen that I wouldn't be aware of. I'm, I'm me, the voter. Like I have to put it in the mm-hmm. scanner and just to just to, to to pick the other piece. If I feel this circle in, and this machine doesn't recognize it, it's going to give it back to me right then. And and then there can be some education process of uh, how do you do this, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can fill it in. But everybody's taking a standardized test, um, so everybody can get the the circle right. I, I don't. I, I think it's you know problematic. 
or or some different disinformation at the best to say that somehow citizens don't know how to fill in a circle. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's going to be some complexity and somebody's going to put a check mark or something like that. There's an adjudication process for that. And software is becoming smarter to count those. But you can't always trust software to count things. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't trust software to, to do these types of operations. We, we've had um, some instances in elections gone by where where the optical scanning of, I think, the absentee ballots had, has been a problem. What what do you see as the state of art of the optical scanners now? Are, are, are they better than they have been? Well, these are digital scanners. Okay. So it's a digital copy. Now you can put that in high def and zoom in on it and look at the fibers on the paper. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a different it's a different standard. Um, however, the, the 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 machines that are being put out, the, the main issue is these things are considerably inferior to like an i. We don't vote on something like an iPad, right? You think just consider this: the new iPhone just came out, and I think the price point. Is like eleven hundred dollars, the, the max price point. You can shoot a movie on it. And it's got like three cameras on it, but these machines—they're in the neighborhood of thirty-five hundred, five thousand—and the the scanners are in the ten thousand range. So if you consider that Shelby County, we have like fifteen hundred machines. If you're going to do three to five thousand times fifteen hundred, and then a good hundred thousand times the you know two hundred precincts. Let's say we did that. Mm-hmm. And that's you got seven million dollars of of just considerable waste when you can just print paper for that. However, the technology that's in the scanning uh, part of the precinct part of it that is going to have a cost to it, and it's not going to scan like a like an iPhone would take a picture for that huge price point. However, it is a digital copy, so the the process of uh, casting a ballot is a secret process, and the process of counting it is a public process. This is why you want those images and something like that to put it out so that the public can see and, you know, not have confidence, but evidence. I, I, don't, I don't look for confidence when it comes to elections. I write programs. There ain't no such thing as confidence. There is evidence, however. So I, I, I opt for the more evidential. It's route. either there or it's not. It's there. either there or it's not. That's All right. right. You, as, as a member of the election commission, you're you're one of five people. The commission currently has a, has a vacancy that that I believe is about to be filled Correct. on the body. But uh, as a result, decisions that the election commission makes are are a majority vote. You've been there since April. Mm-hmm. I, I believe there are three new commissioners on the five member body, yourself included. Yeah. Is it your sense that there is a majority there to go with paper ballots versus the audit trail model that we saw? Well, we haven't we haven't had the opportunity to discuss it. I will say that this is a good group. Um, Not to say anything about the the former group from my experience with how we're trying to be. Um, deliberate in 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 evaluating the, the 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 things that come before the commission. We haven't had this uh, particular discussion, and I look forward to having that discussion to and I would invite the public to 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 come and see it like people don't participate in this process. We just you know come once a month and don't hear very much and then when we sign our signatures on everything, then we get the lawsuits right so, right so it would be better if that there was more of a, a dialogue to get the public input on something mm-hmm. like it. but the commission is um a different commission. Um, I don't know. I don't know the takes on 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 any of the commissions. We don't 
generally speak about anything that isn't in a in a in a public setting other than you know how's your how's your family or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And and just to review that the Shelby County Commission has included funding for new voting machines in its in its uh, budget Annually. that was approved uh, this 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 past spring. So now the election commission is going through request for proposals or or is that about to happen? I haven't heard much about that process. I do intend mm-hmm. to acquire inquire about it in the next one. I do know that it's something about the RFP process. I think purchasing or something like that. I've I haven't gotten specific answers, but I haven't asked very many questions specifically either. Okay. Um, do you, in, in your working life, you've worked with a lot of campaigns, a lot of elected officials, yeah. candidates, things like that. Yeah. So, so you're really into these, into these numbers that, that come out. So let me ask you about the, uh, the city election that, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. we've just had. Yeah. Uh, 26.5% voter turnout in the city elections going by how many people voted in mm-hmm. the uh, race for mayor. Yeah. What do you think voters were saying with that? You know, it's it's such a it's such a mixed bag because people move around. I analyze turnout very differently. The reason why I work with so many campaigns is because I have a proprietary algorithm that I wrote to kind of forecast the turnout. And I usually get about seven out of 10 of those people right. So my prediction models had it at the low 80s, but I'm not trying to say how many. I'm trying to say who. So I didn't think that I would have much more. As an 80,000 turnout. Turnout, yes. But I'm not because I'm trying to figure out who I'm not trying to get the how many. So a standard deviation away would be like Mm 100,000, maybe 110. So I didn't expect a ginormous turnout, but you have to consider that people move the it's not nearly as much about the candidates on the ballot as the the number of races that are on the ballot. So it's usually the same. You know, I provided you with the demographics. It's usually mm-hmm. the same block of voters that you can depend on every time to come out. These people decide all elections, despite, you know, candidates want to run a rigorous Facebook campaign. It's not the young people. It's. It's mm-hmm. the older seasoned people who care about what's going to happen to the, the leadership of the city. And it was very, very telling um, that, that that just held true. It's the same. It's just a different set. The calendar year brings a different set of voters each time. And right. if you look at them all, if you look at all races as equal, you can miss it. That's why it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's a, it, it, it's about, what the cycle is. It's the cycle. There you the, go. That's the, the, you said the, it better the, than me. The city election. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brings a and, different set of people. And, of course, and of course, we're going to have two city council runoff elections, and that's a much different oh, yeah. cycle. Oh, yeah. A couple of hundred votes, and that's it. You can, be, you can, you can win that with your phone book. that's a that's a good way of putting it a a good way of putting it um so so how do you how do you think we we improve turnout or 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 should that be a goal should we just set up the process absolutely you know when i when i got on the election commission i kind of got drafted (laughs) into it being a technical person but the primary mission of the election commission, and I think Administrator Phillips does a good job of this. She, she, not to say that she doesn't do a good job of anything else, but but she, she's trying to promote the electoral process, and that's one of the first charges that we get as commissioners. I just think there needs to be like an education, public, you know, public education campaign. I think the funding should be more around engaging the public, less, you know, and less on the equipment, and more having the public involvement. If you had the public. You know, coming in to, to verify counts and, you know, being precinct captains and, and doing things that the public was engaged in and having a purpose 
if you don't have a purpose or a reason to participate, I, I always tell candidates this. Uh, this is five words I never tell you, and I can, and, and that, that is, I can get you elected. I never tell them that. I can put you in front of the people who would decide your fate. But those people, you know, they don't have any incentive. You know, people don't pay their phone bills on time. You know, you have people that struggle with with everyday things, and they have everything to lose by by not doing that. But they don't have they don't have anything to lose by by not not voting. So there has to be some connection to what is happening. And when you see like a, a storied candidate, sometimes they can drive turnout because people are more engaged. Um, but typically the, the barometer, barometer doesn't move uh, very far. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like, Oh, this guy's coming out. So we need to plan for extra 50,000 votes. It's just not going to happen. All right. How, how, uh, how different is Memphis from, from some of the other places where you've, where you've done this? Oh, work. Memphis is very different. Memphis, <laughs> Memphis is Memphis is very different. Like so, I I had this this guy. I, I, I laud him. He's such a such a uh, a great guy. His name is Tim Canova, and he's in Broward County. And he ran in con- the congressional district twenty three. And I, I did some consulting for him. And his congressional district is the entire population of the voting district in Shelby County. Wow, that's just a congressional district for him in Florida. So. Mm-hmm. There are closed primaries. There's so many other different political dynamics that changes the way uh, voters can participate. Uh, Shelby County is uh, more f- free in the way that like, if you want to run as a Democrat, you have to change your registration and declare yourself as a Democrat. But if you don't want to be in a you want to vote in a Republican here, the, the clim- closed primaries versus open. Prim- we have open primaries. So mm-hmm. it really is a flexible climate. However, the types of seats where they're placed on the calendar for Shelby County just doesn't drive nearly as much interest as people think they do. The placement on the calendar. Yeah, placement said. on the calendar. Uh, in, in other words, we tend to have a lot of races on our county ballot in particular. Mm, they stack and, and it just, you just don't black out. Like people try to associate intellectualism with civic duty of voting and it's not nearly as connected as, as people think. There's no way that I'm not going to research 70 candidates. I'm just, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. When am I going to do that? Right. So people pick the races that they care about the most, or they know somebody the most, or they saw the most that they, they think they can, you know, have a say in and they participate in those. And that's why you see a lot of drop off when you, when you down ballot for some of those issues. Do we rely too much on name recognition? We do. We, we rely way too much. Do on other places. Ab- absolutely. I think it was this guy named Al Green that, he ran in like one state wide because people thought he was the Al Green, and that Al Green actually stayed around the corner from me when I was mm-hmm. <laughs> living in a different area. And it, it was the funniest thing um, to see that you know just having a name like the Ford name is a is a name here. The Chisholm name is a name here. There, you, you ask anybody in a community, you hear those names, and and they just usually they usually carry a lot of weight. I think uh, we had a Ford to win last night. I mean, it was you know it uh, you. Take some of the Lowry one last night. He's mm-hmm. got a name that people know the Lowry name. So name recognition definitely it's not to say that they don't deserve the seats that they hold, but they definitely benefit from from being a known name. Right. And 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 we've had we've had quite the discussion locally at, as you know about um how to how to focus voters' attention on fewer names on on the ballot to get to get the field down down to a size to where this is manageable and people just aren't overwhelmed by the number of it and, and it's quite a discussion because on the other side 
you know, the point is people should be able to run for office if they want to run for that particular office and they meet the qualifications, um, which, which kind of brings me to ranked choice voting. Okay, okay. okay. Or instant runoff voting. Okay, okay. What do you think about that? I love it in this concept. Um, I got a guy that I work with, John Breaker. He's from Maine, but he lives in Arizona. And Maine is an entirely ranked choice voting uh, state. I think they do it for every race. So in its purpose, it's a really good concept. However, the election security side of me um, is like there are bells ringing in my head of good audit procedures to make sure. And the best way to, I think Steve Mulroy, Steve Mulroy is a very, he's, he's probably the best person to, to describe this, this, this concept. And I totally agree with, with the way he's going to do it. I just want to audit it for, you know, the security sake. I may not want my vote to get transferred to somebody else down the line because the candidate that I liked for my second choice was transferred to a third choice that wasn't my third choice. Mm-hmm. So if you can't tell me that, that's going to that's gonna be a problem for, for me. So I would want to see that down a little further and have people to be able to reproduce what that looks like. And if you can't, if you can't give that kind of certainty back to the voter, then you're going to end up with more apathy. That's that's when I actually think you can see apathy because people are just going to, you know, well, you, whoever you pick, it's not going to matter. You know, it's it's kind of designed to give you that that risk taking ability without feeling like you're going to split a ticket and end up with somebody you want. I just bring it to, uh, if you would just take the Strickland when he ran uh, in 2015, the city didn't vote for him in large numbers. And it was very impressive to see him yesterday. It was a million people on the ballot like it was like it was uh, the last time. And he mm-hmm. got a very good share of the vote. And that was the citizens way of saying, we like the way you're taking the city. He got a large mix. So cities, Memphis is a predominantly black city, uh, especially in turnout when it comes to registered voters. You know, from the demographics that I was sending you from from early voting. So he can really, you know, hang his hat on saying, I got my right of passage. If, if anybody doubted me the, the, the first time that I won because it was a divided ticket, it was really, you know, he he earned his right, right of passage through through uh, Willie Harrington, which is mm-hmm. a formidable, very electable uh, 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 opponent. So he got a, you know, and I. Tip my hat to to, to Mayor Strickland. He ran a very good campaign, but that's representative of him being able to get the lion's share. But if you start adding spoilers to the runoff and people don't want their stuff to get down and I can write an algorithm to pull you down and just get you just below 50 percent, you know, get in the weeds with with some of that. But there are other there are other things that 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 you want to adjudicate and have an audit process for that. But it it, it, ranked choice voting is a good concept. Because because one of the one of the explanations of how this would work is uh, as it's been talked about here locally is okay nobody gets a majority in a single member district council race so under ranked choice voting there's not another election but there may be a day or two before you start counting the second preferences in it which is going to heighten the suspicion of candidates and absolutely. their handlers absolutely because if, if you think about conceptually there's no such thing as a recount why would, why would i recount an election mm-hmm. what would the recount go in that you're going to hold another election right you're going to hold a, a second round what if i'm challenging the first round mm-hmm. 
They saying, "Hey, you lost and you got pulled out of the the first round." Or that that some people say, "Hey, I'm going with Plan A. I'm a I'm a guy. I don't got no Plan B. I'm a Plan A guy, right?" Um, plan A. I don't fill anything out for Plan B, C, D. You know the other seven candidates. Now my guy ends up losing because everybody he didn't get out of the first round, but he didn't gain anything new in the second, third, and fourth round. So they're there, it, it could be problematic for some some seats. So there just needs to be, again, like everything else, some public education around it to get people on board to see and everybody buy into it. It's going to be hard to get everybody win everybody over. But if it's a process that you can you can authenticate, and this is where hand marked paper ballots will show itself right back in because you can say, hey, when you go and look at it, round one really did go to the guy. You got to have something that you can fall back on. You can't go to the store without the receipt. You can get store credit. They gonna give you money back without the receipt. So, paper is paper is a good thing for 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 an election like that. I would definitely want handmarked paper ballots for something. All right, like that. we've been talking with Shelby County Election Commissioner Benny Smith. All right, thanks for having me. Behind the headlines this week is a roundtable about what else? The city elections. We are joined on that panel by Karanja Ajanaku of the new Tri-State Defender. Behind the Headlines can also be heard on the Behind the Headlines podcast. Subscribe to the Daily Memphian at dailymemphian.com. You can subscribe to this podcast at Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at DM and at Daily Memphian. I'm Bill Drees. The Daily Memphian Politics Podcast is produced by Natalie Van Gundy and comes to you on the OAM Network. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, the Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.